Hello and welcome to Beyond Radio Podcasts. This is an episode in our series, The Veteran's Story, produced in conjunction with Morecambe Football Club Community Sports and the First Light Trust. In this series, local veterans recount their experiences of serving in the armed forces and life since leaving. The views expressed here are of the individual contributor. This is The Veteran's Story. My name's Chris Findlay, originally I'm from Scotland, I live now in Lancaster. I was in the Royal Engineers, um, I was an armoured engineer, um, used to drive Chieftain Bridge Layers, so I used to drive the tanks. I was a sapper, which is the equivalent to like a private. I came from quite a wealthy family and to put it mildly or to put it bluntly I was quite spoilt. I went to private school for my entire childhood at boarding school. Having gone to a private school, we had CCF there, the Combined Cadet Force. So for five years of senior school, I was in the Army Division of the CCF and loved it. So decided quite early on that's what I was going to do. I didn't tell anybody but because there was plans for me. <laughs> but I wasn't taking part in them plans. And my mum in particular and my dad were very proud. Uh, it was a bit shocked to start off with, but once they realised why I wanted to do it, uh, they were fully supportive um, in hindsight, and you know that's all I wanted was just to make them proud. I was 15 and a half when I joined up. I was joined junior leaders, um, so I was first based down in Dover, uh, Royal Engineers Junior or well, Junior Leaders. It didn't really feel that much different, to be honest, because, like I say, I was at boarding school for, I think, eight years of my 11-year school term, so didn't really feel much different. Although I only lived 300 yards away from the school, uh, I boarded, <laughs> but I was used to being away from home. You know, it didn't really bother me. Um, I enjoyed it. I loved it. If I could rewind the clock... And if somebody said to me now, you can go back, you can join the same troop with the same lads that you were in back in 1991, doing the same job you were doing, just give us back your pensions, give us back everything you've got, I would do it in a heartbeat. It's hard to explain to somebody that hasn't been there, um, but the lads that you serve with and the lasses, they become like your brothers, your sisters. um, And you can depend on your family to a certain extent and they just become an extended version of that. Quite difficult to explain, but even your worst enemy in the camp is the first one behind your back. That would probably be the easiest way to describe it. I started off in uh, Dover. That's where I did my first first part of my training, um, then went to further training in Aldershot, and then I was posted to Osnabrück, um, and then from Osnabrück I went to Bovington to do my armoured engineer class two which was in 1990 and for some reason I didn't know why at the time but the the course was shortened and back in those days we used to have to do uh, between 12 and 18 months before we could apply for a class one which was like a higher pay grade you had to to gain 12 to 18 months experience working on the wagons as a class two engineer before you could apply for your class one uh, and then go and do the further course at Bollington. 
but I'd been back in Osnabrück for two days and was told to pack my bags. I was going back to Bovington to do my class one. And I was like, why? Stop asking questions, Finlay. You go in and just pack your bags. So I did exactly as I was told, as you do. Went back out to Bovington, did my class one. Arrived back in Osnabrück to an empty camp, basically. Um, I think there was about 70 or 80 of us there as opposed to 920, I think it was. We'd heard about the Gulf, what was going on over there, and it became fairly apparent very quickly that we were going out to the Gulf, and that was why I'd been sent out to do my Class 1, because they were very, very short on Class 1 engineers and drivers. At that point, I was only 17, 17 years old. I could actually drive a 114-ton tank before I could drive a car. As bizarre as it sounds, yeah, that was, uh, that was that. Basically, according to my military records, I was never in the Gulf. I was on guard duty in Osnabrück because I was only 17 years old. I turned 18 whilst I was over there, and for the just over four weeks it lasted, we spent probably four of those on the front line. Um, so we were right at the front um, and had they admitted that I was over there at the age of 17 they would be hung, drawn and quartered. Very proud whilst I was there and when I came back and what seemed like fun at the time, an adventure, became apparent about eight years ago that it wasn't and I'd actually been suffering with PTSD for over 20 years and not even known it. And uh, 2014, 7th of May actually, 2014, I tried taking my life because there was just no support, there was nothing. I believe they get more support now prior to discharge, but back then I was kicked out and left to my own devices at 20 years old. Didn't have a clue how to deal with civil life and from a very proud mother. Well, my mum very quickly turned against me due to my actions, and they were just actions that I had to take to try and cope with civilian life. I kept myself busy. Started selling advertising at first. It wasn't the job for me. Um, I was just earning a lot of money doing it. So I was enjoying myself, and I didn't want to admit the fact that what had happened to me in the forces had happened. Um, I actually had a massive epileptic fit just after coming back from the Gulf. After spending three months in hospital, they eventually discharged me and accepted liability, saying it was due to sleep deprival and stress. When I came out, I probably rebelled tenfold because I didn't want to accept the fact that my career, which I loved, I loved serving Queen and Country, I loved uh, the lads that I worked with, I lost that family, I lost my career, I lost my driving license, I lost my life, I lost everything due to my service. Within about three months of coming out, I'd become addicted to amphetamine, which had gradually got worse and worse and worse. And within about 10 months of being discharged, I'd found the closest thing to military life as I was going to get, and that tight-knit community, that, that brotherhood, if you want. Um, and that was working on the doors in Blackpool. Because whether the, the, the doorman next to me liked me or not, if it kicked off, he had to stand in, he had to be in there behind me. And that was pretty much how it was in the army. You know, we all had each other's backs. But obviously working as a doorman in Blackpool, 
in the 90s. You're in the middle of the reef, seeing drugs everywhere. So it was amphetamine, ecstasy, acid. And I went from 17 and a half stone to just under 11 stone. Um, and I actually have a picture of it, of a before and after. And it's frightening. I look at it every day just to remind myself how far I've come and where I am now. So the transition wasn't easy. And it isn't easy. It's not easy for any veteran. Whether they've done the time and they're happy of doing the time, coming out and finding a common ground on Civvy Street is not easy. And that's why we need more charities like First Light Trust and like what Morecambe Football Club are doing so we can get more veterans together and, and, and create more, more communities because that's what we all miss. That is what we all miss. Knowing that you've made a difference, knowing that you've been there and served Queen and Country, you've defended your country, it's very humbling. I don't think the, uh, the government do enough for veterans in this country. If you look at the veterans in the, the likes of the US, they're looked after a lot more than what the veterans are over here. And I think the British government need to take a long, hard look at what these, these guys and girls are going through now and what we've been through in the past and start respecting that and uh, take a long, hard look at themselves and start doing a lot more for the veterans. Thank you for listening to The Veteran's Story. You can subscribe to the podcasts and visit the Beyond Radio podcast page at www.beyondradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts to hear further veteran stories as they are released. For information on how the First Light Trust is helping local veterans, visit www.firstlighttrust.co.uk Beyond Radio